0: This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America.
1: Hello and welcome. Welcome to African News Tonight from the English to Africa service of The Voice of America, your source for pan-African news and world developments. I'm Yeheyes Wuhib in Washington. Coming up on African News Tonight.
2: For their own self-interests, it is incumbent on uh, Africa to have a, a world where raw power is not exercised, but conciliation and diplomacy prevail.
1: There's Professor John Stremlau, an international relations expert and former U.S. diplomat in Africa, on the upcoming U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit. Details coming up. Also, the WHO says... COVID-19 has set back global malaria control efforts, especially in Africa. And the last eight teams at the FIFA World Cup are preparing for the semifinals tomorrow. These stories and more on African News Tonight. But first, our top story. Nigeria's central bank this week announced a new policy that restricts large amounts of cash from being withdrawn from bank accounts. The announcement comes two weeks after authorities unveiled redesigned currency in an attempt to curb cash hoarding and check corruption and crimes. But as Timothy Obiezu reports from Abuja, some critics say the decision will have a negative effect on small businesses.
0: The central bank's directive this week restricting cash withdrawals from individual and corporate accounts will take effect on January 9, 2023. According to the new policy, personal account holders can only withdraw 100,000 Naira or around $200 per week, while companies can withdraw about $1,000 in the same period. The policy comes ahead of Nigeria's elections slated for February next year where authorities have vowed to tackle vote trading and corruption. The CBN says the initiative helps to address excessive hoarding of cash, help fight crime, give authorities control of the legal tender and encourage more people to use electronic means for their transactions. But economist and director at Center for Social Justice, Ezel Nyebiri, says it will have an adverse effect on small and medium-scale enterprises, or SMEs.
3: That is not the way to come buying. by um, Yes, you could restrict the cash people have in their hands. But these amounts of money are too small, considering the value of the Naira. And in terms of small businesses, particularly people in the informal sector, who may not have started, uh, gone fully cashless, is going to cause them a lot of inconvenience, challenges, and also may increase the cost of doing business.
0: The initiative allows for a monthly withdrawal above specified limits, but that attracts a 5% processing fee for individuals and 10% for corporate bodies. The CBN said it will sanction banks or other financial institutions that fail to comply with the measure. In late November, Nigerian President Muhammad Buhari unveiled the redesigned 200, 500 and 1,000 naira notes initially scheduled for launch in mid-December. Public finance expert Isaac Botti supports the move, saying it is the only way to ensure the new currencies. And not stashed away
3: for me it's it's a commendable policy uh, because it's it's a way to uh, to also curb uh, corruption and um, looting of public treasuries for me i don't have concern over it affecting SMEs because they're not expected to carry out solely cash transactions the only concern that i have is about making the platforms making the system more effective to be able to accommodate a cashless policy.
0: Onye Bere also cites the lack of internet banking services as a major hindrance. More than 40% of Nigerians, mostly in rural areas, do not have bank accounts and rely on mobile money agents for their daily transactions. Abuja Bakery owner Ese Ogane Ehove says the tightening of accounts will affect her business. As a business owner, I go to buy flour, sugar, butter and many other things.
3: How do you pay? How do you pay? It's making, it's, just, it's, not, it's just not
0: reasonable. The old Naira bills will cease to be legal tender by the end of January. The CBN has promised to monitor the rollout of the new bills and make sure not too much money is withdrawn. Timothy Obiezu for VOA News, Abuja, Nigeria.
1: The United States will host 49 African heads of state and the African Union envoy in Washington for a three-day starting next Wednesday. President Joe Biden's administration says it wants to use the event to reset the relations with the continent. Some political analysts say the U.S. also does not want to lag behind China and Russia, whose influence in Africa continues to grow.
4: Darren Taylor reports. Biden hasn't invited Burkina Faso, Guinea, Mali and Sudan because their military regimes suspended from the AU. Eritrea, Western Sahara and Somaliland also won't be in Washington, as the US doesn't have official diplomatic relations with them. But others accused of human rights violations and political repression, including Egypt, Ethiopia and Zimbabwe, will be at the table
2: well look this is an imperfect world and so consequently uh, you have to make trade offs and i think that at this moment in time it's a very good step to have the african summit
4: occur and uh, professor you know, john stremlau's an international relations expert and former us diplomat in africa there
2: are lots of questions but ultimately it's important for africans to meet with the Biden administration, particularly after the Trump administration, which
4: was hostile to Africa and racist domestically. He says an important presence at the event will be Eno Abong, the Nigerian-American director of the U.S. Trade and Development Agency. It promotes American private sector participation in development projects. Another important figure, says Stremlau, will be Adewole Adeyemo the first American of African descent to serve as Deputy Secretary of the U.S. Treasury. Stremlau says Abong and Adeyemo are powerful symbols. It's a reminder that the African diaspora is critical
2: to American democracy, and it is incumbent upon Africans to engage, but to do so if they can with one voice. So I think there's room for constructive work, But the agenda ought to be economic, it ought to be climate and sustainability, which is where the U.S. has made pledges. And I think it's in Africans' interest that they have a democratic administration in Washington. It's a good reminder that Africa can engage and work with the Americans as long
4: as they also work with the Chinese and others. He says there are many practical issues to talk about, like the U.S. helping Africa in health and with climate change, and the renewal of the African Growth and Opportunity Act. And mitigating the effects of the Ukraine war, which, as Martin
2: Kimani, the ambassador to the UN from Kenya, rightly pointed out, is an assault on the fundamentals that have been the bedrock of African
4: international and regional order, that is to say sovereign equality and territorial integrity. Stremlau expects Biden's officials to push the issue of good governance in Africa. He points out the AU's charter emphasizes democratic values and free elections. For their own self-interests,
2: it is incumbent on Africa to have a, a world where raw power is not exercised, but conciliation and diplomacy prevail. And I think that they can go into this meeting behind the african union and calling for all countries to respect the values of the constitutive act and the african charter and to support the african free trade area that means if the chinese want to work in africa they shouldn't mess around with the african domestic affairs but neither should the americans or neither should the russians but they should at least be open to africa choosing democratic options rather than autocratic options for the good of africa
4: Analysts say Africa is also likely to use the summit to push for the AU to join the G20 bloc and for a permanent seat on the UN Security Council. For VOA News, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg.
1: Aid groups say measles and cholera outbreaks at Kenya's congested Dadaab refugee camp have killed at least five people and sickened more than 400 The outbreaks come as thousands of Somalis have been arriving at the camp this year to escape a record drought back home, stretching camp resources. Juma Majanga reports from the Dadaab refugee camp in northeast Kenya.
3: Somali refugee Shamsa Adal is grateful her five-year-old son, Abdullahi, is alive. But their story is one of survival and loss. She says she was left disabled after being shot nine times in 2003 by al-Shabaab militants who she blames for killing her husband with a grenade in May 2022. Somalia's record drought claimed the life of her two-year-old daughter in October, after which she fled to Kenya's Dadaab refugee camp. Once there, a cholera and missiles outbreak led to the death of her four-year-old daughter in November and cholera sickened Abdullahi, who is still recovering. Fighting tears, Shamsa says she has painful flashbacks. She says she feels bad about her husband being killed and about the death of her children. After posing to wipe her tears, she says she is not able to talk about them before she is overcome by emotions. Adan is one of more than 80,000 Somalis. The UN says have fled to Kenya's overcrowded Dadaab camp since October to escape drought, only to face life-threatening disease there. In nearby Hagadera, the International Rescue Committee's health centre has treated close to 300 cholera cases since the October outbreak. Athanas Kongani, health manager at the International Rescue Committee in Dadaab, says the cases have sharply increased. Because of the short rains that we experienced recently, And compounding with the current outbreak, the cases might really go high. Most of the patients are children, like three-year-old son of Somali refugee, Ada Abdikadir, seated in the hospital bed with her child sleeping by her side. Abdikadir says... She thought her child was going to die, but she thanked God he is alive. He has been given medication to help him recover. Kadir said. While VOA was at the health centre, another patient, a middle aged security officer for an aid agency, died from the waterborne disease. Compounding the misery from cholera is an outbreak in the camp of missiles, a virus spread by sneezing and coughing. With thousands more Somalis expected to flee drought-afflicted areas, aid groups say outbreaks of infectious diseases like cholera and missiles could further strain the camp's healthcare resources. Guy Avogno is the head of UNHCR in Dadaab
0: refugee camp. In a context where there is overcrowding in, this, in the space available, uh, because if we are not allowed to do proper planning, proper site planning, decongest the camps, um, that means people are on top of each other and this can spry, spread like wildfire. So that risk is there and uh, the only way to mitigate it is for is more attention.
3: Medics noted that malnourished children are more vulnerable to disease. Meanwhile, Kenya's government and aid groups say they are mobilizing resources to try to tackle the twin outbreaks. Juma, Majanga, for VOA News, Dadaab Refugee Camp, Kenya.
1: You're listening to African News Tonight, live on The Voice of America. I'm Yehiyus Wuhib in Washington. Kenya has launched a 10-day campaign against measles and rubella. The Ministry of Health says it aims to vaccinate just over 1 million children between 9 to 6 months of age in seven counties, including Nairobi. Measles and rubella are highly infectious and cause rashes, diarrhea, brain damage and death. Health officials note that child deaths have dropped thanks to immunization efforts. UNICEF says the diseases continue to be a threat due to disruptions in vaccinations from conflicts and the COVID pandemic. Health officials also urge the public to mitigate the spread of diseases, including cholera, by washing hands and ensuring clean water and good sanitation. The World Health Organization says the COVID-19 pandemic has set back global malaria control efforts, especially in Africa. However, this year's World Malaria Report says countries were able to lessen disruptions to prevention, testing, and treatment. Lisa Schlan reports from Geneva.
5: In 2019, before the pandemic struck, there were 568,000 malaria deaths. Despite the pandemic and other humanitarian emergencies, WHO information shows concerted action by countries has prevented the worst potential impacts of COVID-19-related disruptions to malaria services. WHO officials say the world has largely managed to salvage many of the gains made against malaria during the past 20 years. Abdus Salah Noor, head of the WHO Global Malaria Program Strategic Information Unit, says malaria cases dramatically increased in the first year of the pandemic. However, he says the number of cases last year remained largely the same as in 2020.
3: Overall, however, the pandemic and its related disruptions um, have led to increases in malaria burden over the last two years, and we estimate that about 63,000 deaths and about thirteen million cases are attributed to disruptions during the malaria, during the COVID nineteen pandemic.
5: Noor says most deaths and cases have occurred in the WHO African region. At the same time, he says, progress in malaria control is continuing. For example, he says 11 countries with the world's highest malaria levels have largely held the line against the disease during the pandemic. Among them are Burkina Faso, the Democratic Republic of Congo, India, Mali, and Tanzania. Despite the challenges posed by the pandemic, Noor says nearly 300 million insecticide-treated bed nets were distributed to susceptible families. He says bed nets are regarded as the most important tool against malaria and their declining effectiveness is of concern. He cites growing insecticide resistance and households' decreasing retention of bed nets as major problems.
3: In particular because of Uh, the physical durability of the bed net itself, as well as the maintenance of the bed net in the household. So we're not getting the gains we would have hoped for from the ITN, which essentially means that uh, given that mass campaigns happen every three years, we have a considerable period between campaigns when people are not receiving effective protection.
5: WHO officials consider the current setback as the temporary glitch on the road to global malaria elimination. They say key opportunities, such as a new generation of malaria control tools, could help accelerate progress toward this goal. They say long-lasting bed nets with new insecticide combinations and other innovations in vector control are in the offing. They say by late next year, the world's first malaria vaccine will be offered to millions of children who are at greatest risk of illness and death. They add other life-saving malaria vaccines also are in development. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva.
1: Time now to talk soccer, World Cup soccer. We have online standing by the host of the sunny side of sports, Sonny Young. Welcome, Sonny Forty World Cup
6: greetings, it's Great to be back on Africa News tonight.
1: So is this the calm before the storm?
6: <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yes. Uh, I think I think it is the calm before the storm, Yeah. Uh yeah, calm waters right now, but uh once Friday comes around, uh the quarterfinal action uh kicks off in Qatar and uh I, I actually think all four quarterfinal matches you have are are really going to be very competitive. Uh, opening with Croatia, Brazil, uh, you know, a lot a lot of people say the Brazilians are are big favorites in that match, but we have to remember: just four years ago, Croatia made it to the final against France at the 2018 World Cup. Uh, it might not be as lopsided as, as some people are picking, but then we go to the second quarter final on Friday. the Netherlands against Argentina tough to pick a winner in that match. Yeheias I know a lot of sen- a lot of sentiment behind Lionel Messi, the superstar for Argentina, but the dutch uh, they 're going to be a tough opponent for Argentina. if we move to Saturday, Ye. The biggest underdog, uh, I feel, among the final eight, the Atlas Lions of Morocco. Again, I give them a really good chance against the Portuguese. Uh, Morocco's defense has been stellar throughout this first World Cup in the Middle East. The Atlas Lions have given up only one goal in four matches, and I need to give a shout-out, Yeheyes, for their goalkeeper, Bono uh he's based in Spain and he was exceptional uh in their last match uh stopping uh two shots uh by Spain in the penalty kick shootout and he was the man of the match so he's he's actually a player to watch this weekend and the final quarter final uh on on Saturday another great match England against defending World Cup champion France Uh, Two of the great young stars at this World Cup, Yehais, Killian Mbappe, he leads all scorers with five goals for France, and England has their own young star, Bukayo Saka, uh, 21 years old. Uh, He has three goals in the tournament, and he also has ties to Africa. His parents are from Nigeria so just a lot of great storylines as yes, we yes. head into the weekend.
1: The clash of the titans. So, be- <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Sonny, just uh, talking about Brazil, you know, the five-time champion Brazil, uh, and uh, when you mention Brazil, uh, you have to mention Pele. He has been an inspiration as he watches from his hospital bed. Any updates on, on his health, the 82-year-old uh, soccer great.
6: Well, I know Pele. Uh, he has been hospitalized. Uh, I, I think over a week now, Yahias, in Sao Paulo. Uh, his daughters have said that he will return home. That he has a respiratory infection uh, oh. that has been exacerbated by COVID. However, he's also been—he's uh, also being treated for cancer at the hospital. Uh, so he's receiving chemotherapy treatments. And we can't, you know, he's 82 years old, uh, so we have to keep that in mind. We do wish Pele the best. yes. And I know, I know the Brazilian team uh, definitely would love to lift the cup for a, for a sixth time in honor of Pele.
1: What else? What else can we talk about? Uh, I mean, it's all so exciting. Uh, Netherlands and Argentina, Morocco and Portugal. My God. Uh, Croatia <laughs> and
5: Brazil.
6: <laughs> well, uh, you, you mentioned, you mentioned one, of, uh, one of the stars, another young star uh, on yesterday's Africa News tonight, Yehais uh, Ramos for Portugal. Uh, another young player. He had uh, a hat trick. In Portugal's six to one uh, romp over Switzerland, uh, and again, I think he's he's going to be a player to watch this weekend. And I, I know the Moroccans will be watching him closely as we head into uh, as we head into the quarterfinals. But yeah, I think we have a great weekend of football. Yes.
1: Ahead of yeah. us, uh, 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 England uh, against France. Uh, how about you know the two of the best strikers in the world go heading head to head? Uh, Harry Kane and Mbappe.
6: Harry, Harry Kane and Mbappe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kane has been relatively quiet uh, in this World Cup. Yehais, he, uh, he he has nowhere near the number of goals that Mbappe has. Yes, but, three to five. Uh, I think he I, I think he is healthy and uh, yeah. He did have a goal in their last match. Uh and yeah, he, he's another player. I think the, the star power this weekend is, is just incredible, Yahya.
1: We could talk for hours, Sonny, and <laughs> <laughs> thank you very very much for the input and uh we'll talk tomorrow. Thank you, Yahya. And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Yeheyus Wuhib in Washington. For all the latest developments on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, Mokbidi Barro, and our engineer, Patrick Dea, thanks for choosing the Voice of America.